who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip. And welcome back to XOXO. It's a Gossip Girl recap podcast, and it's presented by Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. I'm Joe Lipson, and I'm joined as always by Ari Drew. Hi, Ari. Hey there. As well as Jenny Nelf. Hi, Jenny. Hello, hello, hello. We are talking about season two, episode four, One Flew Over the Cuck's Nest, and folks... It is Valentine's Day. How are we feeling about this episode? The the amount of notes I took on this one as I was <laughs> watching it. <laughs> I actually took notes, which means you know it's a great episode. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Absolutely. This is the best episode that the series has done to date. Like I'm just putting it out there. I would say that I agree. I you know, and to be honest, I think that they've all just been so strong consistently like i've enjoyed the antics going on this season so much um Mm -hmm. just every episode there's always kind of like a the editing's really been on point too and yeah just the the vibe has been really really getting me yes i i also want to echo i think this is the best episode to date like i was screaming (laughs) (laughs) at certain points same i screamed multiple times in the last like 15 minutes Yes. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like I thought I had the whole episode figured out and I I was enjoying it because once again, we've got a big party. Everybody's coming together. Secrets are coming out. So you kind of have the gist down pat. But I thought I had figured out what everybody's issue was going to be. So I was like, oh, Grace is going to get exposed, blah. You know, uh, Monet is going to expose her parents. It's going to be a big to do. And none of it quite goes down the way I thought. And I was like, oh, the show knows that I know, and they're, like, course-correcting, and it's all the better. I had a very similar experience, too, Joe. Like, um, just kind of, especially with certain plot, and I and, and I don't go into, you know, shows and stuff trying to figure things out, but mm-hmm. I felt like I had a vibe of where things were going to head and what things I thought maybe would be dragged out. And right. nope, like, nothing no. that I really <laughs> quite thought would happen did happen in, in quite that way. <laughs> who had twincest on their bingo card for this episode oh, literally none yeah <laughs> I was so amazed by that oh my god took me by surprise I that was definitely like a shriek out loud moment i know ray uh came downstairs and was like what's wrong and i was like twincest <laughs> is on gossip girl <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We can call something twins s, but it's literally twins s. It's not just like right? <laughs> boyfriend twins. <laughs> yeah, because Ari, you and I are used to being like, oh, okay, we're watching, you know, boyfriends who look identical, or like yeah. gay porn where the actors just look similar. No, folks, literal twins s. Grace, <laughs> you surprise me, girl. It's a real Game of Thrones twist. There, mm-hmm. I was like, man, the the showrunners <laughs> know what they're doing, and really play to their audience. I loved it. And of course, Grace of all people. Right? Fucking boring Grace. <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was gonna be something. And you know, it's like it's not like the um you know the X wasn't wasn't enough because of course we had talked about thinking like is it gonna be like a class thing that that's why mm-hmm. she's hiding them or like a race thing because of her mother and being really right? conservative and yeah, no, this is way worse. <laughs> He's her twin cest beard. 
Like, and Obi <laughs> is just in this mix, like, no, I love her so much. I want her to come to our school. And meanwhile, oh, no. she's like, I'm too busy fucking my brother. <laughs> oh, my God. And when the mom spills the beans, too, it's not even them. The mom is like, again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. again? <laughs> and then that just when they're all getting on the elevator at the end and just everyone's face, like the family, mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, girl. Y'all it's got so some good. issues. Oh my god, please come back now, Grace. I, I need to know more. <laughs> right? Okay, so that's the question. Do you think this is just, like, we will never see Grace again. This storyline is wrapped up. She's done, right? I hope not. <laughs> I think I think it is. Yeah, I would say it probably is, because this felt like something they probably would have drawn out in OG Gossip, or oh, at yes. least with, like, a longer, you know, a longer episode uh, order, but... Probably would have, you know, it would have gone on for four or five episodes at least um, yeah. before the reveal. But that again, like what I do actually appreciate about this approach is that they're giving us just as much twists and turns and they're really just packing it in every mm-hmm. every episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julian follows her, spots her making out with Matthias or Matthias, this guy that we thought was all grace was up to and it turns out yes he is in fact her ex but then julian orchestrates this whole thing and we are just out like the the secret is out in the open with 55 minutes like it's wild and obi's like are you happy and she's like not really i really didn't expect that one <laughs> yeah exactly she's like no she's like it was, gonna, it was supposed to go a different way a different a different type of fucked up I mean, I will say, the minute that I heard that Grace would be impressed by a cameo from Chris Pratt, I yes! knew that she was just disaster. That was the first note I was note about that to I mention put. that. <laughs> oh, that was your first note? Uh, <laughs> I w- <laughs> I've got like six lines before that. <laughs> I was like, cameo from Chris Pratt, Grace and Obi-Wan? <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> like, that's so on brand for them. I just love to, like, the... <laughs> That that was like the line, that that was her, that that's mm-hmm. who they picked for that. What a perfectly specific, like, what a perfectly specific celebrity for her to get a cameo from that right. says everything you need to know about her. A hundred percent. Well, I guess minus the twin sets. Well, also it simulta- simultaneously drags Chris Pratt because mm-hmm. him being on cameo, like just the oh, idea of it is just how, <laughs> right? the, how the star has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually too funny because I I feel like I know how you're both going to react to this, but I feel like I had to put it out there. I don't know who to put the blame on, but I definitely saw a story earlier today that said, is the Gossip Girl remake sort of hampering itself by making these two timely references that are not aging well or like, is it dating itself? And I was just like, the fuck are you talking about right now? Yeah. Who is writing what? that? I don't want to. <laughs> that's no, no, no. Yeah. I couldn't disagree more. Yeah, they're so on the ball. They even referenced Florence Pugh and uh, Zach Braff breaking up. Like, that's mm-hmm. how, like, recent it is. And also, uh, on that note, Ray uh, was listening in for a few minutes for this episode. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, is this, like, the other two level of pop culture, like, Ooh. knowledge, oh. but in a YA TV show. And I was like, I honestly, yeah, they say kind things of. so fast and so quick that it, it does feel like the other two in that Go Ray. Yeah, that's because and that's the thing, too, that I think is also kind of fun about, like, New York set shows is it just it is its own little bubble. People are more hyper aware, I think, of media and mm-hmm. the famous people in the industry and they know, like, even just, like, um, Audrey and Aki, you know, wanting to go as Noah Bombach and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, my God, why am I, uh, oh, 
someone help me here. The Greta Gerwig, Little Women. There we go. Greta, Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. Yeah. Delete that. I don't want the the other uh, gays to kill me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Greta Gerwig and well, Noah no, Baumbach. Keep it in. <laughs> no, no, my brain. It's, trust me, it's it's just like this. Everything gets dark here at like five thirty now. So my brain, <laughs> I'm sundowning sooner. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like I just like that. Those kind of references. That's like the kind of comedy that I live for because it's so specific to people who are like who really love like pop culture and like really mm-hmm, you know read mm-hmm. into who's who in in film and tv and celebrities and all that so yeah i think i mean i think it's very much you know like ray said good old ray um <laughs> you know it's very much in line with like difficult people and the other two and that like it's really hitting those fast and hard references and they're all pretty like you know pretty current too so of course yeah with time you know, like anything. Well, sure, like anything. But yeah, I mean, and folks who don't know Jenny, Jenny Ray is your partner. But also just, I don't know, it it seems so obvious to me that this show would be hyper media literate because these kids would be hyper media literate. Like they're always on their phones. They're aware of every celebrity scandal. So of course they'd be talking about contemporary recent events in pop culture. Like it just, it makes sense for the world of the show. Yeah. But not only that, I, we didn't even mention it in the episode that it came up in, but Lucas Hedges was mentioned as, like, this, like, mm. cool Brooklyn kid in one episode, and I was like, oh, my God, like, that is such, like, a, it's a unique deep cut. and, yeah, d- deep cut, distinct pull that I was like, this is a very joke for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, Jenny... Ari and I both reached out to you to make sure that you were okay when we saw that Max was dragging 2046 in this episode, which is another kind of deep cut. Uh, I felt personally attacked, as I told you. 2046 was my background on my phone for a year, and so that felt like a, a very deep dig that Gossip Girl like planted to make me upset. It's okay. It just means that you're like, you know, you would be BFFs with Aki and his taste. And so, yeah, no, that I thought that that was great. Um, again, like it's that, I think they're really nailing too, like the types of friends that you might have if you're mm-hmm. of this age group and the things that they're into. Right. Yeah. Are you an Aki and you like 2046 or are you like Max and you think it's a little boring or something ah, else? But dead. I mean, I follow Aki on Letterboxd. And I follow Audrey on Goodreads. Like, they have, like, fake accounts. Whoa, oh really? God, yes. what? That is so yes. cool. I knew they had fake Instagrams. I didn't know that it went that far. That's, like, touching Letterbox and Goodreads territory. Oh, uh, yeah. Aki does Letterbox reviews. <laughs> I love that. Considering all the stories that have come out about that sort of AI filter thing that everybody paid, like, $8 for, and it turns out it was all just, like, stolen art. I'm just like, ooh. The reality matrix thing is becoming a little too real for me. <laughs> it's real. This is these are the end of days, Joe. Get used to it. <laughs> but only online. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, why don't we stick with Aki and Audrey and Max? Because um what do we think about their storyline where <laughs> it's almost like a weird mini heist movie as we watch Audrey and Max try to sniff out what is going on with Aki. And of course, it just turns out, oh, he is trying to get more comfortable with bottoming. I thought it was really 
funny and sweet and also tied into something that I've mentioned a few times is that like with the thruple you have to just have a lot of communication and it just shows Mm -hmm. that like when there's a break in the communication that things are assumed and people get anxious and it was just a really funny little romp and I'm glad that it ended well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah same Um, and and that's like I looked over at, at my husband at one point and I was like this would have all been mitigated if he would just have, you know, not been, like gotten vulnerable and been like, hey, oh, this sure. is something uncomfortable for me that I want to do and I want to get better at. But of course, you know, we wouldn't have had the yet another like kind of heisty, <laughs> heisty mm-hmm. series of, you know, little sneaking around and scheming and thinking one thing is something, but it's actually something else. Right. Yeah, I mean... I appreciated that we're actually talking about like a little bit of discomfort and vulnerability around bottoming. I think Ari, I can probably speak for you, but within the gay community, this is something where it's like, yeah, you you gotta do a little bit of anal trainer and get your confidence levels up and feel okay with it because it's not something that all men are just used to. And it's nice to have something like Gossip Girl use their platform to say like, oh, we're literally talking about getting ready to bottom on a very popular TV show. So I appreciated that. Yeah, same. I love, yeah, I love that we live in an era where a Gossip Girl subplot can be about someone who's having issues with getting used to bottoming. I just think that's, (laughs) this is my kind of show. Right, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a really, like, sweet, nice twist. And I liked the shot of it with them three in bed and, like, Audrey Mm -hmm. just being there, like, uh, the, the, being the thruple emotional support right oh yeah, yeah it was really good it was so good so speaking of heisting we do have a girls spa day and <laughs> i will say probably <laughs> my favorite parts were using <laughs> using people who had cucumbers over their eyes as an opportunity to unlock their phones and do secret covert messaging <laughs> Oh, that part. It was like, (laughs) it just was like one of those gags that's hilarious because it just keeps going. But Mm -hmm. the more, the longer it goes on, the more hilarious it gets. Like I was rolling just like by the time, (laughs) yeah, by the time the third person came up and was unlocking the phone Mm -hmm. with someone else's face, uh, I was like, you know what? (laughs) This is perfect. I those cucumbers must have some magic in them to keep right? people that like zonked out. <laughs> it's like amazing. They don't hear the clicking. <laughs> I wonder if they were just all meant to be asleep. Like they were just so That's relaxed. What I, think so. I think so. Okay, that makes more sense. I'm pretty sure you need to use somebody's eyes to unlock their phone, don't they? Oh, we'll try. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll no, do not with glasses. Because oh, uh, like enough. they they have the you can do the iPhone with glasses, and so I would assume. I don't know. Maybe the cucumbers work it that way. <laughs> Okay, listeners, let us know. It's try cucumber it on yourselves. specific, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I need to try. <laughs> I will say one of the things that I did not expect to come out of this particular episode in this like partial subplot was Luna being very vulnerable and using this as an opportunity to get back in with Monet and their sort of climactic moment where they talk about how they just want to be loved. Um unexpectedly emotional yeah i really I mean, loved it yeah and you already know like jenny and i especially are very our luna stands till the mm-hmm. end <laughs> but i just everything that they that they're doing with her has just been really lovely and refreshing 
And just because it's again, like it, we haven't had a character quite like this on Gossip Girl before. So, right. You know, it's not like, oh, they're doing the that thing like they did with Serena or Blair or, you know, Dan or whatever, which, you know, some of the other characters map onto the older ones in pretty predictable ways, I guess I'd say, or like in ways that you can tell it's like an updated version of that. But characters like Luna and uh, even Monet to some degree, too, they just start getting to do different things and be, you know, represent a different type of person. Mm-hmm. It's I've, I've just had a blast watching that. I mean, same. I... I love the humanization of Monet as a villain. I mentioned this before. Like, I just think it's really beautiful that the show doesn't, like, drag her too much. And I think Mm -hmm. that she's given a lot to do. And then I think on top of it, like, I'm really glad that there was an episode with her and Luna because they were, like, very close and in the shadows, like, in the first season. And it, Mm -hmm. like, didn't make sense that all of a sudden that Luna was just very anti her. And then when Luna started opening up and saying, well, it's because of this, this, and this. I thought it was really genuine and sweet. And this that's what the show is about. It's funny, but also has a genuine side to it that I, I honestly don't think the original Gossip Girl handled the genuineness as well as this series might. And that's a hot take, probably. Ooh. I agree with you, though. Yeah, I never felt as, like, emotionally... It was always, like, the the scandal and the shock and the gasping that it went for. Mm-hmm. That while that was, you know, plenty, I enjoyed watching it. Oh, but sure. I didn't, that's why I never really cared, though, about, like, the romance stuff. I want to say maybe there was one moment, a Chuck and Blair moment, with, like, oh, a, a, pas- a Passion Pit song that they that they did oh. that I loved <laughs> uh, very specifically. You know, I was like, oh, that that's, like, one of those TV moments. It was very, like, the OC, it's, you know, yes. those. But this is just, yeah, I feel like this show has done a fantastic job of balancing those really vulnerable and genuine moments in ways mm-hmm. that are effective. Well, what's interesting to me is that although a lot of the storylines are based in romantic relationships, they also don't feel implicitly about romance. Whereas I feel like the original Gossip Girl was a lot more interested in who's going to hook up with who and it was, you know, cheating and that kind of stuff. And I'll confess, I didn't watch the later seasons, so I don't know if that's just an uninformed take, but... The new show to me seems so much more invested in the concept of these rich, powerful, deeply flawed people, but more so as a friend group, right? Like they're trying to negotiate these tricky relationships. And yes, some of that is romance. But it, to me, in my eyes, it feels like, how do we keep these friendships going? Like, how do we support each other? How do we make sure our friends don't get hurt by cheaters, imposters, and so on? Yeah. Yeah. I also, Joe, admittedly stopped watching the original series at some point because honestly, when Gossip Girl was in college, it didn't make sense to me because I also was in college and I was like, I was like, what? There's a Gossip Girl in college. I wouldn't listen to it. No. Yeah, no. You would know who you are at that point or you would have mostly figured it out. So you wouldn't need Gossip Girl and her drama. True. Yeah, and I think too, it's actually really funny because um, there was, well, it wasn't funny for the people who were targeted, but like, there is apparently like some kind of, it's like a tabloidy site that served as a Gossip Girl, I want to say in the Dallas area in Texas, um, when I was in college and someone from my high school ended up on it and oh, no. got exposed what? and a lot of, like a lot of illicit behaviors and, you know, secrets were exposed on there and it was, you know, like, people really do this and like still mm-hmm. like aren't we right aren't we out of high school <laughs> so oh yeah God. but but again i say that and the adults are very 
you know, roped into this, <laughs> particularly with this, with Gossip Girl being more like citywide. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. or I guess like even just like, I don't know, like region wide, because it seems like it hits other, uh, you know, other states and stuff in the Northeast. But yeah, pop culture wide, because Charlie XEX is <gasps> checking Gossip Girl. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I. That, I, I love this um, segue, Jenny. <laughs> I love this for well us, done, Andrew. Well <laughs> Ari, I love this for us, Ari. The nonsense I was mashing into my notes app during that, whenever she she popped up. I don't know. Jenny is very aware of this, Joe. I don't know how aware of this you are. Like, I'm a huge Charlie stan. Um, Jenny's oh, I can a see huge it. stan mm-hmm. as well. And, like, I, I, this is just, like, the perfect opportunity to like feature one of her newer songs from her recent mm-hmm. album it's just such a charlie show and i love that like during the end whenever they're all reading the gossip girl uh the last gossip girl post charlie's also reading it <laughs> you know she's like in oh, the drama she? she's yeah oh yeah i missed that <laughs> oh, it's so oh yeah she's she cl- she checks her phone and every phone dings and i'm just like oh charlie reads gg okay <laughs> <laughs> and she would i think she would in real life I think it's funnier because, like, what, Princess Nokia was on last season. Charlie, Uh, I I like Princess Nokia. What an upgrade. And also to have her involved in the drama. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Meow, Jenny. (laughs) I think she she just fits the vibe of the show. Like, Charlie's very, like, she's, like, party girl. But Uh she has a... Sex positive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she has a huge heart. And she's just like a, you know, again, being a fan like you, Charlie did this whole like a uh, quarantine album where she let fans be part of this process. Um, and it was during during the early stages of lockdown. And so for me, too, like it was such a cool experience to be able to like see someone who's who's famous go through the same stuff that we were going mm-hmm. through. It was pretty like a universal trauma we all went through, obviously, but but not like an imagine tribute video or something kind of cringy like that. Right, right, exactly. No, it felt it felt way more genuine than anything like that and and so like I don't know, I think like she just gets she gets the younger generation. <laughs> Charlie gets the kids, I'll tell you that. But so for that I <laughs> I have a huge amount of respect for her, but I also just think she's like crazy talented songwriter and she's a blast to see live. Yeah, I feel like even if you don't know who she is, you're going to feel like this song is an appropriate part of the soundtrack for Gossip Girl. And obviously, she's looking great. Always. Always. And and Charlie also, if you don't know who she is, she has probably written something or written on something that you know really oh, well. Yeah. You know her even if you don't know her by name. Yeah. I'm so fancy. Yeah. That's like, I mean, I feel like that's probably the one that people know. know the for most, sure. But. Yeah. I think that was my introduction to her. And then I like just consumed her back catalog. Ugh, I just... Ugh, I love her, love her, love her. Have, I, I just recently completed her um, discography on vinyl. And oh, they are just wonderful. I got like this really lovely. Anyway, we're not even going to go there. But I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I was going to say, you two, take your music shit Clearly, to Clearly, I was podcast. very happy to see her pop up. <laughs> I mean, I will say, this is actually a good segue for me to say, like, briefly. Uh, Gossip Girl has some of the best music on it. Like, they played Sasami mm-hmm. in one episode, which really surprised me because I was like, oh my God, new Sasami in this? Crazy. Literally, I would love to, like, interview the person who does music on the show and picks it because they have, they're genius. Mm. Yeah, I think to the credit for Gossip Girl and even, like, uh, like shows like The OC, obviously, Grey's Anatomy, right. like, during mm-hmm. that time when they were out, they were, like, oh, really fantastic bangers. sources for discovering new music. A hundred percent, yes. And they had some great, great, 
great artists that I got, you know, I learned about specifically from that. And um, mm-hmm. even the original Gossip Girl, too, like, I learned about, like, the kills from that. Like, there's just a number of really cool bands and, and acts that I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't have heard otherwise without the show. Mm-hmm. Nice that that trend is still going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I don't have a good segue, but I do want to <laughs> talk about the interesting sex positivity in the Dahan polyamorous marriage. What do we think of the reveal that uh, we're into cuckolding in this household? <laughs> I thought the reactions uh, afterwards, like particularly from, um, I forget the line, but it was between uh, Kate and Mike. But it was just like, I, I thought that the reaction, like it was appropriately hilarious. And and again, this was one subplot that also where it ended up is not where I anticipated no. it going. No. This not could have been all. so conventional, right? Oh, well, yeah. I thought it was going to another thruple all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, no, not another one. And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of is a thruple because they definitely seem yeah. to have a relationship, but it's not like it's not sexual between the two women. But I will say, I mean, I think Camille DeHaan is such like all of a sudden she's as fascinating as her daughter because we talked about the teardown that she gave Monet in that first episode, like the premiere of the season. Mm -hmm. And we had really strong reactions to it. Like, Oh my God, she's a monster. But then in this episode, she basically reads Monet, the riot act for a completely different reason. And she's like, "Um, you don't get to judge me for what I'm doing with your dad, because everything that I've done has allowed you to live your authentic life and the fact that, like, you could have had this conversation, but you chose to put it out in the public. And I was just like, oh, this is more complicated and, as a result, far more interesting than I thought it was just going to be, like, evil mother. That's where I thought we were going with this. Yeah, I really appreciate a, a lot of, like, the the moral ambiguity that comes up within a lot of the characters, even the ones that we love, you know, we love so much. And that's one thing I think this show is really nailing complexity and the spectrum of you know human behavior and how we have relationships and the things that we do whenever we're feeling attacked or desperate we just like sometimes need our we need to get a little freaky on the side you know it's just like the way it's experience it's uh illustrating this is and showcasing it in these different really complex relationships and characters has just been so refreshing mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I also love the poise that she has in like both the scene in the first episode and this one where she tells her daughter in such a way where she's not like yelling or right. like oh it's scarier yeah it's a vicious poise that like makes Monet almost like seems so silly and very high school all of a sudden it like puts like you in the perspective of oh yes these are still high school kids they're still figuring it out and they make mistakes sometimes but also the way that she's so stern with her daughter I can also see coming back and making Monet just maybe be more Mm -hmm. angry at her mom for always putting her down but again her mom has a good point in this scene (laughs) Yeah, I mean, clearly, they're closer to each other than they want to recognize. Like, I think we knew that even in the first episode, where it's like, it's very controlling, it's very power hungry, it's cruel at certain points. But here it's like, oh, actually, this also has an interesting intersection with 
sexuality and like getting what you want, but also being careful about airing your dirty business because it's nobody's business but your own. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And I think that that's, I, I really appreciate it just in general, how that unfolded in this episode and that that was what it was. Um, I thought it was going to be like yet another mm-hmm. example of them just being kind of like vile humans. And it's like, yes. no, they just kind of have an, they have an arrangement and they do what they do on the side. And she's like, I don't judge you for the things that you do. You know, we let you do that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. even though she, <laughs> even though I'd argue with her, she does, she did tell her she brought on like all the shame in the world on the family. But uh, <laughs> so she's not, that's true. <laughs> we know Camille is not like the, the kindest, most patient mother for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I did yeah. appreciate the, the complexity around here and um, you know at least a broken clock is right twice a day you know so even if this is it <laughs> do you think kate was in the right for doing what she did then to both camille and monet no i mean yeah, kate I is a disaster she is like She's she messed. The the most fun thing is also the most aggravating thing about this character is that she always thinks that she's doing the right thing and she doesn't seem to spend a moment thinking about, should I be doing this right now? Yeah, because she has this nonsense uh, feud with Camille. And when mm-hmm. Camille is like, you don't know what you saw, please end this. Right. Like, she should have, but nope, she thinks she is so much ho- like holier than thou. <laughs> Yeah, Kate is like, I'll send this to Monet. (laughs) Kate has some gall on her because that would have scared the shit out of me. And I would have been like, never mind. I'm never messing with this woman again. No, I'm I'm (laughs) deleting. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. Thanks for your feedback. I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that leaves us with one final storyline, which is the Shan, Zoya, Nick storyline. And Shan finally comes clean, although only after Zoya finally pushes her into a corner. This was probably still my least favorite storyline of this episode. I do think it's okay. Like, I don't hate Zoya the way I've been like, oh, God, get her off the show for the last couple of weeks. What do we think of the fact that the news is now finally public that Nick has allowed Davis to buy this $2.5 million house for him? I will say one thing. The way it came out and Shan, like using it to cover up her making out with the guy that Zoya liked. I did not like that for a second. I was like, Shan, this is actually, you're kind of being, it's fucked up. That's fucked up. I almost didn't buy it because I don't, this doesn't feel like Shan behavior to me. I don't know. It didn't. It way and erratic that, That's and the thing I, I thought was my least favorite thing in the episode too, because it just, because I like her so much and I love her attitude and her, and I can't, you know, in a, in a way I can see a character like that being very flip about like, who cares who I make out with? I don't care. You know, like not caring, but it's just, that's, hasn't been her to date. I think mm-hmm. it would have made more sense if she was like increasingly frustrated over the fact that she's having to keep this horrible secret from one of her closest friends. And maybe she gets like really fucked up. And then because right. of that, she makes out with the guy and then tries to, you know, like that, like seeing her just kind of do this out of nowhere, just it didn't sit well with me. And it was like, what are you? That's not that's not my Shan. I don't know who this imposter is. Mm-hmm. That's bad friend material. Like oh, gotcha. she was like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I did this because I'm keeping a big secret from you. I'm like, OK, Shan, just like cover up the fact that you did something really shitty to your friend just right now. Yeah, like there's a difference between getting blackout drunk and like literally going after the only person that your friend has been talking about for like what weeks since the dead ball yeah and after like going through all that basically all that trouble to get him there to help her and it's like what why would that cross your mind as a good idea 
at this point mm-hmm. in time too and it's yeah that's some convoluted justification that that shan tried to do by well maybe i'm doing this because <laughs> your dad yeah. did that you know it's just i didn't it doesn't love that. say well i'm glad i'm glad it's out though i mean i yes. needed that to be out yeah yeah because i mean i think i predicted last week that all of this stuff is going to have to come to a head at a certain point i was hoping that shan was going to come clean i don't like the way that they did it but now again like you said ari things have moved very quickly so now the secret is out and we can just figure out what's going to go on so we've got zoya living with shan Ugh, we haven't talked about julian and the married guy yet no, yeah. I don't know what to think yeah. of this. It, this to me is like, oh no. This feels like a teacher sleeping with a student storyline. Like, why do we have to do this? It breaks my heart personally. I I know where the thing is going, where it's going to be like, she likes him and she's going to make a big mistake. I, didn't, I can't even remember if the original Gossip Girl did this, but I want to say there was something like I think they did numbers similar. of Didn't Dan sleep with a married woman in the first one? That's it. I think mm-hmm. uh, Nate did. I feel like Nate oh, it was Nate. Nate. It was Nate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but I feel yeah, this just makes me sad, and I feel like they're gonna just make her very tragic now, all of a sudden. And I don't know. It's it's not a good idea and not a good relationship. It's to not pursue. interesting either. I don't want to second guess the Gossip Girl writers because I think they actually did a really good job of subverting our expectations in this episode. So maybe they're going to surprise us again. But I feel like this is one of those basic plot lines that writers go back to because they think it's interesting and it's conflict. And I'm just like, mm, we've seen this a million times. It's really hard to make it fresh. And it often is just kind of ugh. Yeah, it kind of feels like they don't really know what to do with her if that is where they're going. And so they're just kind of throwing her in this stock stock plot. Like, it's Julian. How do you not know what to do with this? This, uh, this yeah. is your de facto protagonist of this show. Honestly, if they're going to go for, like, some kind of very typical character arc at this point, I would rather see her do the whole, like... Because, you know, they, they hinted at her, like, kind of saying, fuck it, at the Guggenheim, and taking the pill, and mm-hmm. just living her best life, and, just being you know, fun. more of that. Like, let's see her do just go off being fun and not caring about what people think. And maybe that could have some other, you know, repercussions to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, like, ugh, I just, yeah, I could I hope that they really don't belabor this or, or you know, make it a whole thing right. that goes the way that we are expecting. I really hope that they, that they surprise us. Do you think it's a self-destructive, like, subplot with her? She is at such a good place, but the fact that Obi is not giving her the attention she clearly wants him to give mm-hmm. her, she is going to self-destruct herself? Yeah, Whoa. I could see that being it. Which, again, like, that could... I think that you can do that to a degree, because, again, teenagers are teenagers. They, they're they oh, impulsive. Sure. You know, that's that's the ter- well-worn territory in shows like this. But yep. I think doing it in this way is like ugh, the, one of the least interesting ways to do self destruction. So I don't, yeah. I don't care as much. Hopefully, they'll surprise us though. Yeah. Okay. Well, any other guesses about where we're headed next on the show, Julian or otherwise? I will say that my early prediction of Kate and Mike banging it out. Happened, there we go. Happened. There you did. So finally, really good, we got that out of the way. <laughs> and I thought that the, um, I love the the last moment. You know, of Kate seeing <laughs> good comedy. Yeah, it's oh, it's so good, it's so good. What the fuck? <laughs> one of the one of the lines that I that I also noticed. I think it was Monet and um, 
Monet talking to Luna, but it's <laughs> uh, she said something like, "No wonder Julian shaved her head." <laughs> so it's yes. like, I love that. I was like, "That's such a that's a cute nod to her." You know, mine. Uh, I had uh, several lines, but I did think that Monet telling Zoya, "Do I look like Cupid for pores?" was funny and really <laughs> offensive. <laughs> pores oh pores that's that's yeah that will always that kind of delivery is just yep that's peak glass glasses Mm -hmm. gossip right there there we go i love it i love how monet will never step down from that pedestal keep going keep doing you Uh, yeah that's her that's just yes Uh, I liked the Pete Davidson CBD lollipop uh expedition Mm -hmm. i thought that was very funny and very like a a joke for me yeah i thought yeah that was a great one also, the pining after dead man, the dead men, uh, and the my own private Idaho <laughs> reference. I just was like, okay, Aww. I'm here for all of that. <laughs> Obviously, the specificity of some of these jokes. It's like it's like that. Like, oh, that is a very specific reference and vibe, and you nailed it. <laughs> but this is so funny because we're seeing this as thirty somethings. Like, right. is, are these jokes for us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe I think they so. are. I think they do sneak them in for us sometimes, Joe. That's I, I love it. I pander <laughs> to me, writers. Please throw those. Continue pandering in. to us. We love it. We love it. We do love it. <laughs> All right, Jenny. Uh, what's one thing you think is going to happen next? Oh man. Um, I I mean I'm still going to go on. My mic is sleeping with Kate, and he's an ultra villain. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. He's gonna he's gonna out her next episode to Georgina. To Georgina, yeah. I think it's gotta come. It's it's next episode or maybe episode six. We'll see, folks. We're recording this. We've only got access to the first five episodes right now, so we we don't know if that's the mid season break or if there's another episode that HBO Max is holding back from us. Yeah, I hope they are. I hope they're holding back like just a, a major banger that's just going to rock us to our core and mm. change all we know about the world and life at large. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I am with you, Jenny. I'm, I'm at this point fairly convinced that that's how Georgina is going to get brought into the fold through Mike. Yes. And that's going to be a whole Kate getting bit a bit after all this. And, you know, it's pretty kind of deserved as of now because she's done some pretty reckless stuff and selfish stuff. Definitely that. Um, I will hold out hope that Charlie XCX will become a full-time cast member <laughs> in future seasons. I hope so, too. She's the new classics teacher after Mike gets fired. Oh, my God. I would love that. Amazing. <laughs> she could be like the, the gym, gym teacher or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let's see. I don't really have a prediction so much as I think we're going to have to give Obi something new to work with. So I think he may become Julian's savior, like try to prevent her from either making a mistake or picking her up off the floor when she realizes this whole affair thing isn't going to work out. Oh, you think so? Or do you think he's going to be the opposite and try to get her back for what he just did? What she just did to him. (laughs) Oh my God. If we turn to Obi into a villain... The best thing the show could do. Yeah, that would make him the most interesting version of himself, honestly. He should be <laughs> the white the white straight man in this show should be the villain, actually. Right? I could not agree more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, loads of potential. So many things going on in this show, but uh I think we're gonna pause it there because we could talk about this for days. So 
Ari, if people want to talk to you about this Valentine's Day extravaganza, how would they get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Ari Drew, T-H-E-A-R-I-D-R-E-W, and definitely want to know for, from all the Charlie stands out there how loud you screamed <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> Lovely. And Jenny, if uh, anyone wants to talk to you about what a mess Monet is becoming, so mean, uh, how would they get a hold of you? You can uh, get a hold of me at Jenny Lee X33, and Jenny is spelled J E N N Y, and Lee is L E I G H. Fantastic. And I am at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, uh, you can reach the show at hashtag HKHSPod or long form HKHSPod at gmail.com. All right. So we will be back next week to discuss episode five, which. Who knows? Is it the finale for the fall? We don't know. We don't know. Anyway, yes. But until then, XOXO. You know you love me. XOXO. Gossip Girl.